Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Made in New England interview series, where we talk with New England-based companies and the people who lead them. I'm your host, Steve DeVries, and today I am joined by Dennis Keene, the president of Coald uh, Design, uh, where they manufacture uh, specialty automation equipment, uh, mostly for sanitation, sanitary environments. Uh, Dennis, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. Well, I appreciate you being here. Uh, always like to kick things off by asking our guests, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your company. Well, my name is Dennis, and uh, I own Cloud Design. I started the company in, uh, I think I opened the LLC several years before I actually started to use it, but to 2013, uh, end of 13, we started to uh, to issue bills uh, in the name of the company here. And uh, so we're looking at starting 11 years, our 11th year, and... Um, and so far, we've built uh, the company up from, you know, like a sort of one-man band to uh, producing uh, substantial deliverables, automated robotic cells, automated material handling systems, custom machines, factory services is a new thing we sort of started to solicit. The factory services will take your existing equipment and uh, modify and improve it for, uh, for automation, both upstream and downstream. And uh, so we do uh, doing our thing here. Nice. You and I uh, talked a little bit before uh, we started this show and, you know, we, we share uh, something in common. So we, you have a, a client uh, whom I know very well. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about, you know, without saying the name of that company, what uh, type of equipment you made for them, maybe give people an idea of, of, of what it is you might be putting out there. So down there, <clears throat> we um, we help them with uh, just an assembly process. So we, call, we call it a semi-automated uh, process. Uh, it's just a simple conveyor with uh, fixturing to convey um, a fixture along operators that will assemble uh, deliverable for the, uh, for the packaging environment there. For for our listeners, uh, I'm pretty sure I remember which piece of equipment this was when I when I tore the the factory. And I, I think Dennis, you might be you might be underselling a little bit. Uh, they're, they're they're putting out um, marinated meats and and things of that source that sort and and just putting out tons of it. So your your equipment is moving very very quickly. Volumes are something that uh, we just do naturally with automation, especially, especially automated manufacturing equipment. Um, you know, we can, I say in this industry, you know, we're not, we're not out here to remove employees from your payroll. We're here to make them all more efficient going through. And so by more efficient, if, if one person can manually do 10, we, we can have that one person doing a hundred by, facilitating uh, uh, some sort of custom machine in between. So, I think that's a great way to look at it. And so I'll just ask, do you think that that's uh, one of the things that's that's driven your success to this point? That and a lot of hard work. But yes, uh, quite quite possibly. Uh, a lot of our success is, is really dependent on our customers. Automation is not the type of thing that, you know, 
like an HP printer. Yeah, that's automated. It feeds the paper and prints on it, right? But uh, factory automation, manufacturing automation, our customers um, are the reason for our greatest successes going through, accepting the automation, working with it, trying to use it, wanting to use it going through uh, is what generates the successful deliverable from us because otherwise you just wind up with a printer that nobody uses. Right? <laughs> so, well, it's, it's, you, you know, it's the same thing with uh, just about any machine, you know, turn it on. It's not going to make anything for you. Right. So yeah, I just have to say our customers and their, their help along the way, especially on the custom machines and the factory services are the reason for our success. So when you work with your, your customers, do you find yourself engaging with operations people more often who understand the problem but may not have an idea of how to create the solution that you provide? Yes. Or do you find yourself working with engineering people on their team and, you know, maybe they just need to, uh, you know, outsource this particular solution because they just don't have the either the bandwidth or the expertise to provide the right solution, or is it some combination of both? I'd say it's a perfect combination. We need to understand from operations, what does the deliverable need to do for them, right? And then working with engineering, uh, I wouldn't say it has any anything to do with any individual's bandwidth. A lot of our customers are looking for a single source uh, where they're, factory operating team. Uh, technical project management, essentially, uh, uptime. A lot of the engineering staff these days are working with vendors to produce deliverables that that don't come that that, that don't that aren't received by finance team as little dribs and drabs of never ending projects that don't quite come to fruition because we're busy one day, maybe uh, doing something else, a factory you know, downtime, whatever the case would be, right? So um, we work closely with corporate engineers um, to understand deliverable design reviews. And then we we take care of the nuts and bolts, the pieces, all the little, all the little things that, um, I wouldn't say they don't have the bandwidth for maybe their workload is substantial enough that I don't have the time. Right. So, uh, and then, you know, we're running factories out there. Well, so let's, let's shift views a little bit, Dennis. So uh, you've been running your business now, you're going into your 11th year, you mentioned. Mm. So when you look at your business as, as the leader, as the president, what types of things do you look at from a KPIs or a metric standpoint that really tell you that the business is doing what you want it to do? I look at how smooth machines make it to the door. And a lot of that starts in the, at the very beginning, sales process. Right, design the defining success before we go through and uh, 
and attempt to build a machine that nobody's built yet, for instance. Uh, and it may be something very similar to what somebody else already built, but it's always they're always a little bit different. And so what what makes KPIs in this business difficult is the fact that a lot of what we build is the first one. Right. It's, we have built seconds and thirds for maybe the same customer, right? But uh, controlling controlling our, our workflow, our requirements, and understanding them fully out, right out of the gates is very, very challenging from our perspective. So what I have found to be most successful uh, as from a control point is leveraging our financial statements, scrutinizing on, on a project level going through. And um, that helps us to uh, control the upstream side of the sales process. So when we get down to the deliverable, executing the deliverable, we don't have any obstacles to overcome. Financial obstacles are pretty much the primary obstacle that we might come through along the way. You know, so. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. So mm -hmm. let's now uh, take a look out into the future. What excites you most about the future of your business? Looking down the road here, uh, what we're starting to do, what I'm most excited about, and we haven't solicited this yet. Uh, we are beginning to. We started the design phase of what I would consider a standard uh, deliverable. Uh, something very consistent that we can then take and leverage along various automation proposals, if you will, for, uh, for customers and factories. Um, I am optimistic that down the road, a lot of our workload can likely become very consistent. We can leverage larger amounts of inventory, um, the inventory for both spare parts and the finished uh, pre-assembled or prefabricated components going through. So we don't have such an uphill battle at the release point of engineering. Engineering will do an engineering release to manufacturing and then it's it's all sourcing for a period of time and then fabricating building and then shipping and we start all over again. Uh, so I think I think my future optimistically is going to be far more streamlined along that uh, approach there to the point where we're picking parts and making assemblies and turning up the volume. Standardizing the customization, if you will. Yeah. It, customization will always be there. We can't standardize that, but standardizing the <laughs> solution if you will going through or or, or fragments of uh, the solution a standard component if you will uh, that we have and, you know sometimes it takes time to learn what is it that we need to have available so we just picking picking the highest volume the, the, the most popular not what we call it the most popular but you know the the one that we've done the most of okay so we're going to start to leverage that and, and simply concentrate a little bit on that. I'm optimistic that we have a branded product that maybe turns over into its own little business someday. That's exciting. So flipping that around now, what concerns you most uh, about the future, either of, of your business or your industry or or just something in general that might impact your your company? 
we've been I've been my entire career in food processing industry. And when the economy is good, it's great. And, and when the economy is bad, it's good. Uh, it is a commodity based industry. What needs to eat. Don't have huge concerns over the future. I think my concerns in the future is our roots, which is the custom machine design, the real service-based deliverable that we engage in. It's so labor intensive that I'm afraid I might be willing if the standardized deliverables take off, I'd be willing to let it go, right? So, uh, and you know, we we provide a service, we provide a deliverable. Uh, not everybody wants to engage in that amount of service. Services, call it intangible, if you will, going through. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's necessary. You know, no one robot cell size fits all, right? Going through, so. We'll see. I'm always optimistic. We're very flexible. We have to be flexible and we have to roll with punches, right? We need to just simply be able to change. And so I don't try, I try not to hang, hang myself up on concern over the future. Uh, do we do think about the future? By thinking about the future, we're looking at how are we going to, how are we going to benefit ourselves and our customers along the way? Producing a, producing a, Cost-effective deliverable in a sanitary material handling environment is, uh, as I think, in the near term, where we're at. And the concerns I have is the the, the customization is unfortunately going to be something that gets less popular. It's so darn cost. It's so darn expensive for some of our customers to uh, to go ahead and. And, and pay for engineering services and all that, especially with smaller companies. We're a smaller company. I, uh, I understand, right? They have operations that they need to focus on, right? So so the idea of sort of modularized uh, solutions where you could, you could put some solutions together where um, you're taking some solutions that you've already done and you're leveraging them, that's really the sort of the idea for you in the future. And as long as you can maybe stay ahead of the head of the cost curve, uh, you feel like you, you have a chance at keeping up. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. What's well, an exciting business? So let's uh, let's flip this again a little bit. So the show is all about businesses in New England and the and the people that lead them. So mm -hmm. being a New England based business in uh, uh, New Hampshire. Yep. What kind of pros or cons do you see about being in this part of the, the country? The state of New Hampshire offers, the Small Business Association of the state of New Hampshire offers regionally around the state. There's one over in our region now called Coastal Economic Development Corporation. They're all SBA funded uh, lenders for small business. Mm -hmm. uh, loans and so we leveraged that in new hampshire which was a wonderful resource for us uh, we went and uh, exhibited at three trade shows right out of the gate when we started the manufacturing side of things here wow what a lot of work that we were able to generate 
that way. And that was thanks to the, uh, you know, the, and I'm sure Massachusetts has a similar name, has a similar um, state sponsored lending program catered to small businesses. And I would recommend that to anybody, a machine shop wanting to buy a CNC machine, you name it. And so uh, I would, I would, Honestly, contribute a lot of our success to to simply that that program. Of course, we were able to leverage to uh, to generate the sales that we needed to uh, the solicitation, leverage the solicitation, enable us. Nonetheless, you understand that. I get you. I get you. And you're absolutely right. The uh, all of the SBA loans and the programs that are are built around the SBA here in New Hampshire and other New England states. They are absolutely phenomenal. They do offer a lot of new businesses, startups, and so forth, tons of resources. So for those of you out there, I think you may have just answered my next question uh, in terms of what advice do you have for budding business leaders, maybe people looking to start their own business like you did uh, now almost 11 years ago. Uh, beyond the SBA, anything else that comes to mind in that regard? Well, we all stub our toe. Sometimes we learn hard lessons. Right? As if to say, we all make mistakes. Um, a while ago, I was saying to myself, there's a statistic about a certain percentage of small businesses that, I keep my hands out of the picture here, but quote unquote fail. I think I generated the perspective that the majority of those quote unquote failed businesses um, maybe didn't so much as fail as have their proprietor decide that this was a lot of work. And it is truly a lot of work. And right out of the gate, when we start working with HR and HR policies, my biggest lesson learned was just relinquish payroll. Give it to the payroll service providers. They 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 have it. It's so it's not it's not incredibly expensive. We've got all types of HR resources and compliance, right? The HR compliance is right there for you. So anybody wanting to wet their feet with uh, human resources, and payroll, and and uh, tax compliance and all that, leverage the payroll service providers. They're huge. They are big. They're, they took so much work off my plate. It was wonderful. You're, you're talking my language now, Dennis. I, I always say to clients, spend your time doing what you do best. Outsource the rest. Yeah. You'll you'll Focus be a better. You're good at. Exactly. You'll be a better business for it. Absolutely. 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 So that and as some as an engineer, I was very good at designing machines and executing, delivering on them. Nice. Financial statements were not my thing in the beginning. Learn them. It's everything. Absolutely. So, uh, that would be my advice. Yeah. Payroll service provider and financial statements. Well, I'm excited to share all that with our listeners and viewers. So Dennis Keene of Coal Design, I appreciate you joining us today. And I appreciate all of you uh, listening and watching uh, I look forward to seeing you next episode. Again, Dennis, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Steve. All right. Have a great day, everybody.
Take care.